Okay, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. I don't know if you know that St. Patrick was possibly the first Christian in the Western Church to take the Great Commission seriously. Um, you know, Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. And Patrick decided that must include the barbarians of Hibernia, uh, which, of course, we know today as Ireland. And uh, prompted by a dream, he went and planted literally hundreds of churches. He was a true apostle uh, in Ireland and, uh, I mean, changed, uh, changed that nation. And one of his earliest biographers was a 12th century monk called Jocelyn. And in his Chronicles of St. Patrick, he writes a description of him, and he describes him as a fruitful vine branch. He says, Patrick was a fruitful vine branch. Now, that is imagery that's taken right from the Bible. And it's imagery that I want us to look at today. Okay, because we over the last few weeks, if you've been here, you will know we've been looking at different metaphors that we find in the Bible that are used to describe the church uh, as we've been seeking to better understand our identity as God's people. And so this is one of those metaphors, uh, a fruitful vine. We see it in the Old Testament, that that's how God's people are described. At least that's how, that was God's intention for them. All right, so I'm just going to spend a few minutes just looking at that. Then we're going to look at, I'm going to share about how we're putting that into practice here. And then lastly, we'll just uh, consider how we can be even more fruitful. All right? So, I think the first reference that you will find in the Bible to a fruitful vine is in Genesis and chapter 49. And this is where Jacob at the end of his life, prayed a blessing over his 12 sons, who were to become the 12 tribes of Israel. All right, and they're in Egypt at the time, where if you know the story, uh, God raised up one of those sons to become prime minister of all of Egypt. Uh, That was Joseph, if you know the story of Joseph. And Jacob reserved his longest blessing for Joseph. And this is what he says, just one of the Uh, one of the phrases that he uses. He says, in verse verse 22, he says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine by a spring. His branches run over the wall. Now, the original Hebrew text there is a little confusing because it's speaking metaphorically. Um, The literal translation is, son of a fruitful tree is Joseph, Son of a fruitful tree by a spring, the daughter spread over the wall. But virtually every translator agrees that the imagery that's being portrayed there is of a vine. That Joseph, as the representative here of God's people, is a fruitful vine, drawing from this spring of water, and whose branches, his descendants, run over the wall transcending, as it were, the boundaries of the garden in which the vine had been planted. 
And we know this because the imagery there is picked up later on in Israel's history when one of the psalmists wrote Psalm 80, and in verse 1 he says this. He says, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, speaking there to God. He says, You who lead Joseph like a flock. Again, Joseph there representing God's people. He says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea, and it shoots to the river. Speaking there of the river Euphrates. Now, the psalmist there is, is reminding uh, the people of, of Israel's history there, of how they had grown up in Egypt, these 12 sons becoming the people of Israel, the Hebrews in that, in that country, who then came under slavery, if you know the story, and how God raised up Moses to deliver this people out of slavery and brought them into the land of Canaan, the promised land, where they were called to possess that land. And that's the picture that we're given here, that they're like a vine that God planted in that land to fill that land. But as you read on in Psalm 80, we find that this vine had been cut down and burned. Because Israel, you see, had become unfaithful. They'd not borne good fruit. They'd meant to be a light to the other nations, but instead they adopted the evil practices of those nations. And so God removed his protection from them. He allowed these other nations to overrun them. And so here in Psalm 80, the, the psalmist is calling upon God to restore his people. Three times he says, restore us, O God. And then we read in verse 14, he says, Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. For they have burned it with fire. They've cut it down. Help us, O Lord, they're saying. And then we won't turn from you again. We promise. But in spite of God's mercy, his people continued to bear bad fruit. So later on in the story, um, in their history, we read in Jeremiah 2.21, God lamenting this when he says to Israel, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me? into a corrupt, wild vine. And so in the end, in spite of frequent warnings, Israel experiences God's judgment. And so we read in Ezekiel 15, verse 6, it says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Jerusalem are like grapevines growing among the trees of the forest. And since they are useless, they've not, they've not borne any good fruit, it says, I have thrown them on the fire to be burned. And so Israel experienced God's judgment as their temple was burned to the ground by their enemies and as they were taken into exile. So, what then became of Jacob's blessing? All right, what about the promises of a fruitful vine whose branches run over the wall? Well, 
As we know, all the promises of God ultimately find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So as we come to the New Testament, we read there in John 15, verse 1, Jesus himself saying this. He says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. My Father is the gardener. So we find that Israel had proven to be a barren vine, but then from its stock came Jesus, who in contrast was the true vine, the fruitful vine, the one who had come to fulfill Israel's calling. But the fruits of his salvation wasn't going to just be contained within the walls of Israel. His salvation was for all nations. And I just wonder if that's what Jacob's blessing was referring to when he said that his branches would run over the wall. I personally think it's likely because in John 4, 14, Jesus offered the water of life to whoever would come to him. Uh, he says there that, that he would become a spring of water welling up to eternal life uh, within us. They're referring to that spring of water. And then in John 15, verse 5, he says to his disciples, I am the vine, you all are the branches. You're the branches. And so both of those references, the spring of water, the branches, seem to be drawing upon that imagery in Jacob's blessing. And then we read in John 15, verse 8, Jesus said this. He said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Talking about us now as the branches of that vine. And that's certainly what we see happening in the early church, isn't it? As they were rooted in Jesus, drawing upon that spring uh, of living water, the Holy Spirit within them, so their branches spread out, uh, going over the walls of Jerusalem, as it were, planting new churches all across the Roman Empire, going over wars of race and culture and national boundaries that existed at that time and going and seeing fruit all over the world so that by Colossians 1 verse 6, the Apostle Paul was able to say this. He says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Okay, referring there to that vine. And of course, the same thing being said of St. Patrick. Not long after that, that fruitful vine, that br fruitful branch bearing fruit there in Ireland and beyond. And that call to go and bear fruit hasn't changed, has it? Right here at New Frontiers Church, we are also his branches. Right? Jesus is the fruitful vine, and we are or as his followers, we're part of that vine. We've been grafted into that vine. We've been joined to him. We share his spirit. In fact, uh, if we're not rooted in Jesus, the Bible says we're just dead twigs. But all who are in Christ are part of this fruitful vine, and he's appointed us to go, to go and bear fruit. And we believe here that means going to our neighbors, those who live nearby, as well as going to the nations, which means going over some walls. 
to use that imagery of those branches, our branches need to reach out beyond the walls of our church here and bear fruit in the communities that we belong to. But they also need to cross over the walls of state lines and national borders and, and, and walls of, of culture and race and color and so on, bearing fruit then in other nations, other cities, other people groups around the world. Because that's what Jesus commanded us to do, isn't it? Go and make disciples, he said. Before he ascended to the Father, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, said Jesus. And he didn't give that responsibility to a specialist group. He didn't give it to a missions organization. He gave that to his church, which means not just some other church, right? But every church, right? Our church. We, all of us here, have a responsibility to play our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. We've been called to go and bear fruit. And praise God, we're seeing that happen through our church here, uh, through our members, through every one of us, actually, because of our participation together um, in what is going on around the world. New Frontiers, the family of churches that we are a part of is bearing fruit in many different nations around the world. And like every New Frontiers church, we are playing our part. Okay, and I'm going to show you a video now. Now, many of you have seen this video before uh, about a fruitful vine, uh, showing some of the work of New Frontiers around the world. But I've updated it with some new uh, video footage to keep it fresh. So let's watch that video now. Frontiers is a worldwide family of churches in over 70 nations. We're joined together by genuine relationships, a shared mission, and our common values and beliefs. Our apostolic leaders represent many different cultures and serve some 2,000 different churches across the world. Churches that keep on multiplying as we partner together on global mission. In the Bible, Joseph is described as a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches grow over a wall. In the same way, we've been appointed to go and be fruitful, like that vine, and to reach outside of our own walls, the walls that so often separate us, walls of color, race, and culture, and to demonstrate through our love for one another that we are now one new family in Christ Jesus who are being called, like Joseph, to bring good news to the nations. New Frontiers is a worldwide family of churches, and it's the sense of being part of a family that unites us across vast distances and cultural differences. A family 
is a value that people really treasure. And actually, our world evangelization is the extension of a community of love and relationship. There's a very real sense of family. I just come from a prayer meeting, and uh, I saw a Pakistani standing in the middle of a room, and a Kenyan have a word for him, and a Ghanaian steps up, and an Australian, and a South African, and an American, and Englishman, and we're all together and we're praying and suddenly we're all Pakistanis. Now, that's powerful. As we encounter new nations and new people groups, we need to approach each new culture in different ways and find appropriate ways to share the gospel. Among the unreached people groups of the world, about 70% of those people don't read in order to learn. They're oral learners. And so we are bringing the gospel to these oral learners through uh, a method called chronological Bible storying. Who is this man? He even has authority over the wind and over the waves. Telling the stories of the Bible, beginning at Genesis right through to Revelation, uh, in a chronological way, which is easily maintained in the memory of those who rely on memory to know things. In Zimbabwe, we've seen a team formed there planting churches through this method. As we continue to grow across diverse centers around the world, God is establishing apostolic spheres with strong links through relationship, vision, and values. I'm very excited about the future. For me, I look around the world, I see such beautiful ministries emerging, clearly called by God. What we need to see is apostolic figures gathering teams around them, caring for ever-growing numbers of churches. What's uh, so encouraging to me is that our church is playing a, a significant role in that apostolic extension as our sons and daughters have gone out from here uh, like branches of that vine to bear fruit elsewhere. And there are many of them. I'm not going to be able to mention them all because they're in many different parts uh, of the world today. And yet uh, quite a number are still very much connected to us, resourced by us because we're part of that same vine. So I think, for example, of our church plant in Brooklyn uh, with Seth and Rhiannon and Nick and Amy there, how we've resourced them with prayer and finances, sending teams uh, down to Brooklyn to serve them, the fruit that we're beginning to bear there. We'll hear from, more from them in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is a significant year for them uh, in, as they seek to see the church launched uh, later in the fall. 
I think of, uh, of Marion and Susie and Narona, uh, along with many others here, Dave and Carla and uh, Shane and Margaret, uh, and, and, and others who, just the ongoing investment uh, that they are making in Nepal and the fruit that is growing there. Um, I think of Sam and uh, Marlene Poe here, uh, training people all over the world in chronological Bible storying. Uh, in Zimbabwe, as we saw in that video, but also since there, then in Russia, in the Caucasus, uh, in Turkey, uh, next week going to Mexico uh, to train uh, people there, and then later in the fall going to uh, Nepal to train pastors uh, in that part of the world. And this uh, share the story strategy, which has now been, uh, Sam has written a book on that, uh, that that whole strategy is just crossing over walls of culture and is bearing fruit in many different nations of the world. And it's coming out of our church, right, because they're part of us. What a privilege that is, isn't it? What a privilege. I think of Evan Rogers, who uh, in about three weeks' time is heading out to Bangalore, India, uh, for a whole month uh, to train worship leaders uh, in India. And then from there, going to Cairo in Egypt to lead worship uh, at a New Frontiers conference where a new church is being planted there in Egypt, right where Jacob gave that blessing. Isn't that amazing? I think of Daniel and Natalie, uh, who have been in Oman now for, uh, well, they went last August, and they've been doing the hard work of learning the language, getting enculturated, and uh, we're going to just hear a little bit from them right now. That great, yeah. Please, uh, please do be praying for them. I mean, we are like uh, their lifeline, you know, uh, as we pray for them, uh, for those things. Right? Let's please remember that. For those of you who are friends to them, don't forget them. Send words of encouragement, okay? Uh, because they need that. And then I think of uh, another key couple of ours, Dave and Anna in Istanbul. Been there nearly ten years now and uh, leading a church, a church in Istanbul, planting out two other churches. And here they are, live from Istanbul. Let's hear it for Dave and Anna. Um, just to conclude here, um, our church is helping to resource many of these situations. You know, we're certainly supporting in Brooklyn, Dave and Anna there in Istanbul, contributing to, uh, to Daniel and Natalie as they seek to become self-sustaining, and so much more, uh, such as sending Carla here to Mumbai earlier this year with $12,000 that we raised at Christmas to, uh, to give to a couple who are helping to get... Uh, trafficked women out of the sex trade. And our generosity, our giving that, is enabling them to do that. Uh, and it's great that we now have that connection with them. So our branches are bearing fruits all over the world. I hope you're encouraged by that and excited about that. But it's our generosity and our prayers that's enabling that to happen. So to, f to conclude, how can we become even more fruitful? Well, more of the same. Prayer and giving uh, are two of the main ways. We pray because Jesus said, when he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he, said, he then said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? He said, abide in me. We've got to depend on him. And, and the primary way of doing that is by prayer. 
praying. That's why we have prayer for the nations. Uh, once a month, uh, we gather together, and up in the upper room, we just had it last week as we were praying for the Poes and for Evan, who are going out from us, and all these different situations. Uh, it's the second Monday of every month. The next one then will be April 8th, right, John? Uh, John and Cindy helped to lead that. So I just encourage you, put that in your calendar. Let's stand with them in prayer, April the 8th. And then there's our giving. Every year we take up two special annual offerings, okay, which are over and above our regular giving. One is in the fall for our benevolence, and then one is in the spring for our missions, right? And that one is coming right up. So we have scheduled that for April 14th, our annual missions offering. Um, and I just want to encourage you, please, to be prayerfully considering what you might be able to give to that offering. And let me just say this, please don't give instead of your regular giving, right? Because we rely on that to support the ministry of the church here. And often we found that our income takes a hit on those special offering months, okay? So our special offerings are just that. They're special offerings over and above our regular giving. And this missions offering is really what's helping us to bear fruit in all those regions beyond us. Okay, so please prayerfully consider what you might give. We'll probably take the offering over two weeks and we'll have pledge slips. If you're not uh, in a position to give right now but you want to, there'll be pledge slips that you can fill out. And as we consider that, can I just ask us to remember that... It's because of what Jesus did in dying for us on the cross that we have all received Jacob's blessing, okay? Because of Jesus, we have received Jacob's blessing because we have been grafted into that vine that is Jesus. We are all drinking from that spring of eternal life. We are destined for a new heavens and new earth where we're going to live with him forever, right? We've been blessed with what Jacob went on to call the blessing from heaven above. And so that is why we willingly and joyfully give to God's mission, right? We give to advance the gospel so that we might bear fruit, okay? Fruit that is going to last. We're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, because we know that all that we have here, our, our lives, our time, our money, our possessions, it's all temporary. It's all fleeting, but what we'll have in heaven is real and forever, okay? And so it's that eternal perspective that affects our earthly priorities, and that's why we are happy to give, because we've been blessed to be a blessing, all right? We're putting the kingdom of God first, trusting that he will provide all that we need. Amen? Okay, so let's be prayerfully considering what we might give to continue to be fruitful in all these regions and beyond. Amen?